Welcome to the Maritime Bluegrass Podcast, where we talk everything bluegrass and old-time country from the Maritimes and beyond. If you're a fan of bluegrass and old-time country music, you're sure to hear something that you like. From G-runs and double stops to banjo kicks and mandolin chops. Howdy folks, and welcome to the second episode of the Maritime Bluegrass Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Proctor. Just like to take a minute and thank everyone for all the positive responses that I received from the first episode, and I apologize for the length of time it's taken me to prepare and get the second episode ready, as I'm always trying to change the audio to make it better for you folks and your listening experience. As well as, I had a second guest lined up, uh, Kevin Pratter from Kentucky, who was trying to get on to do the podcast with me uh, in kind of a time-sensitive manner as he was playing at Joe Casey's Bluegrass Jamboree on Easter weekend. And uh, due to some technology limitations and uh, Kevin and mine's schedule not quite lining up the way that we hoped they would, um, we had to postpone it and we'll get uh, Kevin on as a guest on a later episode, that's for sure. I heard that Joe Casey's Jamboree was well attended and a good time was had by all. Um... I saw some comments where that uh, Mark Bootlier Bluegrass Band, Mark's uh, been around the scene for quite a long time, and uh, I heard that uh, he had a new uh, group of uh, people with him and uh, that it went over quite well and it sounded very, very good. I heard nothing but uh, good remarks about him and his band, Joe Casey as well. I also heard Marilyn Singer did a great job as the MC. As uh, most of you folks know, I'm a guitar mandolin player in a new vintage band. Um, we just finished up a show since the last podcast. We played at the Moncton RV show, which was hosted by the Down East uh, Bluegrass and Old Time Music Society, who is a proud sponsor of the podcast now. Thank you very much. Um, they uh, they invited us as a band up to play. Uh, MCs were Wilson Moore and Marilyn Singer, and they did a fine job. The other bands were Ryan Dillman and Shadow River and the Russell Soller Band. Both of those bands didn't outstanding performances. Uh, you can tell why Sh- uh, Shadow River gets the accolades that they do, and the same with Russell Soller Band. Uh, it was a listening experience for us. We really enjoyed playing with those guys. Uh, we'd also like to thank, uh, or I would like to thank David Doyle from Shadow River, as during our first set, I decided it was time to pop a G-string on the guitar, and uh, Dave was nice enough. He came, took my guitar from me, and uh, restrung it for me, and let me use his for the next song while he did so. So, Dave, thanks a lot. I don't know if he listens to the podcast or not, but if so, uh, thanks a million, buddy. Uh, really helped out. Also, the sound was done by Richard Burke uh, from the Moncton Grandeague area. Um, I'd have to say that it was some of the best sound that I've ever had in a long time around here for shows and festivals. Um, so I just like to get tip my hat to Richard Burke and folks. If you uh, need a sound man for a bluegrass or any type of music event, I believe Richard's your man. So give him a call or check him out on Facebook. Um, if you need to know how to get a hold of him, you can just message me on Facebook or message the podcast, and I'll make sure that uh, Richard gets your information and hopefully uh, maybe a gig out of that. So my guest today is Justin Noss from the Bluegrass Unit, the other half of the brother duo. I had Jeff on my first episode and. Justin was nice enough to fill in last minute for me um, as I was really struggling to get a guest on here. And instead of just me talking for 45 minutes, I've actually got quite an extensive interview with Justin. So I hope you folks uh, really enjoy that. Just like to take a minute 
and mention some things. Um, certain bands and other things I see, I try to jot down so I can mention on the podcast. Uh, Bluegrass Tradition, a band from the Nova Scotia area here, has a new CD out. And uh, the CD release concert is going to be at the Oyster Pond Fire Hall on May the 7th, 2016. Um, I imagine if you were to search them on Facebook, you could probably find out some more information. Uh, Also, Wilson Moore hosts the Bluegrass Jam on CFTA-FM 107.9 Amherst. Nova Scotia on Sunday at 6 p.m. and also airs on CHMA at 106.9 Sackville, New Brunswick. Um, so if you're in those areas and you enjoy bluegrass music and you want to check them out on the radio, I bet you Wilson would really enjoy that. Also in the interview here with Justin, uh, you'll hear he mentions that this Sunday, April 3rd at 12 p.m., uh, his band, the Bluegrass Unit, will be featured on CBC's Land and Sea. Uh, their segment will be on towards the end of the show. So uh, anyone interested in, in you know, supporting Justin's band and having a look at what they've been up to, uh, they'll be on CBC Land and Sea uh, on Sunday. So hope everybody checks that out. And folks, um, I don't mean to sound rushed, but uh, I do have quite a long interview with Justin that I hope everyone enjoys. So I don't want to take too much time here on the open, but I do have one more plug I'd like to do uh, before we get to the beginning of the interview. And it's... Uh, Bluegrass Atlantic, hosted by Nancy Ketty, airs on CIOE-FM 97.5, emanating from Sackville, Nova Scotia. Bluegrass Atlantic usually airs on Wednesdays from 8 to 10 p.m., with Nancy playing all sorts of local and classic bluegrass music. You can also listen online at www.communityradio.com. You can email Nancy with requests and questions at Nancy at communityradio.ca. Well, that's all for the open, folks. And like I said in previous episode, if you or anyone you know thinks you might be a great guest on the Maritime Bluegrass podcast, please drop me a line at, uh, on Facebook or at the Maritime Bluegrass podcast at hotmail.com or at NS Bluegrass on Twitter. Or, I'm like I said, you can find me at Doug Proctor on Facebook as well. So uh, send me a message and we'll set something up as far as an interview goes. Or even if you have a story or just some information you'd like uh, set on the air. If your band has some upcoming events or an album coming out or anything that may partake to maritime bluegrass or old time uh, country music, fiddle tunes, fiddle music of any type, please get a hold of me and uh, we'll get something on the air about it. So I hope you enjoy the interview here with Justin Noss of the Bluegrass Unit. And uh, I'll be back after the interview just for a brief close and uh, let you know what's coming up in the near future for myself and New Vintage. And here's the interview. All right, Justin, welcome to the Maritime Bluegrass Podcast. Uh, Glad to have you. Had your brother on last time and got lots of uh, good response from everybody. So I figured I'd have the other half of the NOS duo in the Bluegrass unit on. Uh, What's been going on with you? Working hard and playing even harder. Oh, yes. That doesn't surprise me. So um, for the folks who aren't familiar, well, they got to hear a little bit about you um, when your brother was on my last episode there, the first one. And uh, a lot of them probably wondering, okay, let's hear from the second half of the brother unit here. Um, So you're the banjo player in the band. Yes. uh, But banjo, was that your first instrument? Uh, Well, I would say... uh, Primarily now it is, yeah. Uh, 
I st- I still consider probably my first love, uh, musically speaking, of course, the uh, guitar. Okay. Uh, but I mean, uh, I don't get a whole lot of time behind the guitar anymore, so I would say definitely yes, the banjo was probably primary. So. What was the first instrument? Um, was blue? Uh, I guess really was bluegrass the first music that you liked? Bluegrass country, you know, like the real country. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. That's all I ever really heard during the time I was. Ever since I can remember, it was bluegrass and old country. That's a familiar story. I heard almost that same thing from Jeff. <laughs> yeah, Not surprised. Did. yeah. So um, th- there's a few questions I got that I know I didn't ask Jeff, and I meant to. So and I know if I ask you, I'm probably going to get relatively close to the same answer. But um, what was your first instrument that you actually learned to play on? Like when you were had, and how about how old were you when you started playing on whatever instrument that was? It was guitar, and I was about, I think I was eight, I was eight or nine, I would say, I'm pretty confident, eight years old. They, they showed me a few chords on the guitar, and just more or less wanted to see if we were interested in it. Jeff was, of course, the same age as well, so he's two years, it's a week short, two years difference between us both, and uh, just more or less wanted to see if we were interested in the music, of course, and of course we were, we were definitely interested but uh want to see if we were see if we were interested in to keep going with it right yeah absolutely and at least get you know have something there for you to pick on and that's not like i said to jeff that's not a luxury some people get so you guys were uh, lucky it's not that uh you know there was always a five thousand dollar guitar or something laying around but there was a six string guitar there you guys could pick up and play on you know what i mean which yeah, that's a bonus so you guys learn as far as you know like Action like a dobro, of course, on the guitar, right? You know. <laughs> yeah, I know what you. So it was a flat top. It, it was. It was. It was definitely. We, we definitely had a a step ahead, probably than than most. I mean, and uh, very grateful for that. Absolutely. Know? No, your dad's. Your dad was always a guitar lover. We said that with Jeff, and so you know, you guys were just locked out that you found that the guitar was there to play, and even with Tui as close to the same age, you're probably lucky enough that there was two there. You didn't even have to fight over it. Yeah, well, there for a while, uh, yeah, it was too, I guess when we started about that time, uh, Dad had the one Martin, of course, and then the old 35, and then uh, probably I was about 11 or 12, he picked up the Herringbone 28 there, the one I mostly play now, and it's pretty well synonymous, that's basically my guitar i give him visitation rights once in a while so. yeah that's right that's that one's willed out if there's a will yeah. then it's yours basically yeah, yeah basically <laughs> my hands grow to that so <laughs> yeah i was playing that i was down at your house there not too long ago justin's a mechanic that's what he does for a day job folks because uh like jeff and i discussed in the maritimes you can love playing bluegrass but you sure can't feed your family doing it unfortunately it's There's just, tens of dollars to be made playing there, bluegrass in the Maritimes. There are thousands of dollars to be lost. Yes, for, you yeah. know, but we love every minute of it, and we lo- and we're going to lose thousands more, and we don't care. That's just no, that's what it is, I, right? I, I don't even care about the money. I just enjoy playing that music, and it's uh, almost like a high to me. I I I, uh, I dare anyone to tell me, and I probably wouldn't believe them anyways that. You could take a drug that would produce the same high because it's just not possible, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you, man. This episode is sponsored by the Down East Bluegrass and Old Time Music Society. They hold their annual festival July 22nd to 24th, 2016, 
at the Exhibition Grounds in Bible Hill, Nova Scotia, featuring the Corey Zink Band and the Slocan Ramblers. They also host the Eastern Canadian Bluegrass Music Awards, always the third Saturday in October at CEC Auditorium in Truro. They are also selling tickets on a trip to Mexico. That's right, folks, a resort vacation to Mexico. Please visit DownEastGrass.com for details. So yeah, I was asking you, uh, when Jeff was on last time, we had a uh, conversation. He mentioned there was a benefit being held. It was for, I believe, your cousin or an aunt, a family member, I know that for sure, who was in need of a, a transplant of some kind, I, I believe, right? Yeah. Uh, that was our uh, our cousin, actually. Uh, she's, she's 31 years old, and uh, she was born with cystic fibrosis. And uh, anyways, uh, she, she's been... She battled with that her whole life, and uh, she's in need of a double lung transplant. So uh, right now, as it stands, they've got they've reached their goal, and then some of the money they wanted to have before she moved to Ontario. And actually, she's moving within a few days, and it could take up to two years before they do the transplant. So they have to quarantine her and make sure she does not get sick and. Be ready to go at the drop of a hat when they get the the donor, the suitable donor for. This lady is in need of a few prayers, so definitely uh, say a prayer for Justin's cousin. What was her name, Justin? Jennifer Jennifer Crows. Jennifer Crows, and uh, she'd be moving to Ontario in hopes of getting the double lung transplant here very soon. So, yeah, yeah, hopefully sooner than later. I I know. I know she comes from good stock, so she's she's definitely tougher than whalebone. You got that right, brother. <laughs> so I, she's a t- tough girl. So uh, I like I say, I don't. Hopefully, it won't be long, and she'll make a recovery and get home. And uh, like I say, be hopefully give a new lease on life. You know, well, she seems like she's headed to the best place she can be headed for that, Justin. So that's excellent. You guys are able to raise her a bunch of money, and everyone in the community was yep. able to help out. Uh, like I said, I've learned that myself sometimes, how generous the bluegrass community and family and friends can be when you're in a time of need. Um, speaking of that, uh, I have written here about Paul Josie because uh, the mandolin that I'm playing right now in the band is a Paul Josie mandolin, but it's not mine. It's, it's actually your mandolin because uh, Paul Josie has mine. Uh, folks, of, for those of you that don't know or never heard that... Uh, Last fall, I had a house fire, and my mandolin was badly damaged. Um, not beyond the point of no repair, but she's been at the doctor's quite a long time. And um, when I get it back, it's going to be pristine, I have no doubt. But Justin uh, was nice enough to step up and donate a mandolin so that I didn't have to go buy myself another one so I could continue to play with the band. And uh, it's a Paul Josie mandolin. And uh, I got a few questions about it lately when I've been playing it. So uh, rather than me try to answer them, I figured I'd just let Justin explain what kind of mandolin it is and how long about you've had it and anything like that about that instrument. Yeah, I think uh, I put the order in for that one in particular. Uh, geez, I think fall of 2010. And uh, I wanted an A. Uh, I just had my heart set on an A. Uh, I mean, Ray Legere got the nugget A, and to me, that is one of the best mandolins I've ever played, let alone heard. Well, and I mean, well. sure, sure enough, with him behind the wheel, <laughs> he's definitely going to bring the best of it out. But uh, 
There's no problem with the trigger man, bud, on that That's one. That's right. Absolutely. Not at all. And uh, Dean Sim also has a really good A-style nugget uh, that really stood out in my mind. So it was no doubt in my mind. An A and an F, yes, structurally, they're very similar. But uh, an A has a sweeter tone to me, a little more mellower. And uh, if... If you, I mean, I, myself now, I'm so out of practice on the mandolin anyways, just concentrating on the banjo so much that uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not the mandolin player I once was, not that I ever claimed, claimed to ever be, but uh, if you can get the tone out of a, out of a real good mandolin, especially an A model, it surprised a lot of people, and uh, that one in particular, uh, I knew I wanted an A, and Paul had some wood lined out, and uh, Dad and I jumped in his old Corvette one night, and we went up, and uh, I picked out the wood. Uh, oh, excellent. He he, sh he held pieces up and showed me what they looked like, and we just went by tap tones on the, pe on the pieces of wood. And uh, there was a couple tap tones that stood out to me, what I was after, at different frequencies, of course, and I said, that's the pieces of wood I want, and... There you have it. That's the mandolin. That's number five. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. That's so quite. It's, a, it's it's a hoss. It's a good. It's a good mandolin. So, I definitely can't complain about it. Um, I use it on stage, and it always surprises me because my mandolin or any mandolin I have ever played have been F's. Not not because I don't like A's, but because they just just happened to land. Those were the instruments that I had the opportunity to get, and. Uh, I remember the first time I played yours and the way that it just popped the notes right out. And that's what it, and that's kind of uh, when I hear Ray and, and Dean play those two you're speaking of, they do pop and they got those woody, woody tones and yep. there, there's no lack of drive, lack of a better word. It's They're powerful. You can, uh, you can really hit them almost as hard as you want. It seems, especially that one in particular, uh, as hard as you want and it doesn't fall off doesn't matter what note on the board it hits it's gonna do something and uh and you probably notice it yourself uh if you play it if you leave it alone for a day or even a week if you've been playing it then about half hour to an hour into it just like it wakes up just yep. like a light switch and uh it's very that's a very key characteristic of paul's instruments i found and i played just about every one he's built and they all sound like a josie and they all have that characteristic. They just wake up just like that. So it's uh, it, Paul knows what he's doing. It is no doubt about it. So I mean, not saying that there's not a lot of other great mandolin builders out there. I mean, Gibson has been the staple for bluegrass many years. Uh, you got Deerstone. You got Flatiron. Uh, Bob Laval built some really great mandolins himself too. And uh, but to me, the sound that I'm after. Uh, in a mandolin is definitely a Josie. It's no question. So, excellent. I I have to say, if I was ever to get another one, um, I would get one from Paul. Well, I mean, yours yours is a great mandolin too. I mean, that that I I played that a couple, quite a few times, and I mean, that's that's a really responsive instrument. I mean, there's no question about it. Yeah, it was a Saucian uh, S5 model. Yeah, Saucian. Yes, that's right. Yep, from out in Regina, Peter Saucian Guitars. Yep. Little plug for you if you ever listen to the podcast. It's great mandolin. I, I, I truly believe, uh, we, like uh, Paul and Dad and my brother as well, uh, we all talk about instruments and there's a, 
it's not just playing them. To me, the construction of all the instruments, the luthery, all the science behind it, it's what makes them tick. Like to me, that that I'm drawn to that. It, I don't know if that's the mechanic side of me. I mean, you give me a piece of wood. I'm not no carpenter, <laughs> and I'm not no luthier by no means. I, uh, my thing is metal and engines and stuff like that. But the science behind it, how they work, to me, I'm drawn to that. And uh, I truly believe this day and age we're witnessing the best instruments of all types being built right now. I mean, yes, you have pre-war instruments. Everybody's after them, but the, but uh, they're so overpriced. Yeah, uh, not overpriced, out of reach, yes, I guess, for common folk to get. Uh, you don't have not just anybody has fifty to one hundred to two hundred thousand dollars laying around to lay their hands on these instruments. But these guitars and these mandolins, these banjos we're seeing right now, fiddles, dobros, or any of them, I would be on top. Until we actually have a time machine to actually prove this theory, I would be very surprised that uh, you would ever find that these new instruments are not are equal to or better than what they were when they were brand new. I, I truly believe. I think they're quite comparable to what the pre-war instruments were new. There's some definitely some new builders and some newer instruments around that I totally agree with you that once they have stood the test of time, if there was ever a time machine where we could compare a hundred year old Martin D 28 to a hundred year old Hayes guitar or Boucher guitar or newer Martin guitar. Absolutely. Or Santa Cruz or any of them. Like, I mean, anything it'd be, that'd be well, a dream come true. Um, and it's funny, I'm, I'm going to go off the topic of that just a bit because you mentioned a time machine <laughs> and uh, I literally wrote down here uh, earlier an idea I had come up with because a lot of us always sit around and chat and, and yarn about all oh, the, these bands and these, these records of these bands from whenever and wherever that we all love and we would love to have seen or man can you imagine if we saw the rounder double 044 band or bill monroe and the bluegrass boys or flat and scrubs yeah. when they kicked off carnegie hall can you imagine being there so i guess mm -hmm. i had a question for you and i'm going to try to ask it to everyone too from now on um if you did have the bluegrass mm -hmm. time machine and you could see one band on one night who would it be canadian band or and an American band, you get one of each. If you want, you can have one of each. Yeah, mm, now you put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, wow. For an American band, I would say, uh, without a doubt, the Bluegrass Album Band. One like one of the first shows that they would have ever done after the release of Bluegrass Album Band Volume One. Uh, there's not a doubt in my mind about that at all. <laughs> Easy. It, it, that was just a perfect combination. Uh, We're lucky enough now to be able to see YouTube and have videos where you and I can go back and kind of hear and see the dynamic that those people played with in those groups. Whereas 20 years ago, if you didn't have a bootleg tape, like which most people didn't, you never got to even experience any of that. So this generation... We get lucky to go back and kind of witness it in a sense, but to actually have been there and seen that in that place and time would have just been something amazing. Yes, definitely. I, I, I would agree with that 100%. Uh, 
YouTube, I can go on and look for something in particular. And three, four hours later, I come away from the computer or the phone or the, the, the tablet because I'm just completely like all the little related videos. I'm clicking on the next one and the next one and the next one. And it's just, it's just never ending. Right? I've definitely wasted a few hours of my life doing that. And it's, but I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't call it wasting. I think it's just gaining, you know, developmental uh, research, I call it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's an experience that otherwise you'd never get to experience through video. Yeah. And then you'll get to experience other stuff like, uh, when you're searching for J.D. Crow and then you find, say, him with Keith Whitley and then you find someone who's like a Keith Whitley's doing a song by them bluegrass and it goes along like you don't only just find what you're listening to. There's always such a broad spectrum of stuff that you it can is, have. Yeah. It's great. Um, no, it's, it's, it's excellent, actually. I mean, like, like I say, we are definitely lucky in this generation for that. Uh, I mean, not just even the, the performance side of it. Uh, We'll get back to talking like the science of instruments. You can see different things about that as well. Uh, even, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, like how to play an instrument, you know, is so much uh, instructional material now yep. that's offered to you online. Learn different techniques on whatever instrument you play or have a desire to play, how to tune an instrument or, or whatever, right? It's so much, so much broad. Uh, you know, spectrum of knowledge on there. Other, you know, it, it, we are definitely lucky that way. So. It's and when you say that, I'm reading Crow on the banjo, uh, the book there, the JD Crow book, and <laughs> it? it is good. And I read it one time, and then obviously it burnt in the fire. So this Christmas I got another one, and I'm reading it again. And Crow talks about in the book how he learned when he remembers. His dad taking him to watch Flat and Scruggs when they were taping like a barn dance or a radio show. And he would sit right up front and watch how Earl picked. And his dad would be nudging him like, watch his right hand, watch his thumb, watch his thumb. And uh, he says, that's how I learned. And then he said, I'd go home and I would pick all night long until my parents literally told me, you know, go to sleep. And... And then you can tell his sister or something says in the book as well, like his dad was still just as proud, just wait. He literally would wait for him to get that lick he was trying to get and then would shut him down or whatever. Yeah. And, and just to think about that, that's how those people had to learn something that they love just as much as me and you do. So we can just go on and bang, 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 find whatever we want. And, and I hate to say make it a heck of a lot easier, but it is. Oh, it is. It's, it's definitely a proven thing. If you've got somebody that will take the time, and explain a technique or a certain way to hold your pick or so even just simple as holding an instrument Yep. a certain way. I mean, because correct posture, holding an instrument is going to give you tone, tonal differences as well. Uh, it is so much little nuances that you can learn. And otherwise, it is. It's very. It's. It's a lot easier for us in this generation than it would be like the JD or the Bill Emerson of that era or whoever. You know that even Tony, for that matter, Tony. You know, learned to play guitar just hanging around Clarence White and you know playing actual real experience in bands. That's right. I mean, it's. It, it's not. It's not as hard i would say in one sense to do that so it's like anything i suppose the more you put into it the more you're going to obtain from it as well so absolutely and uh 
before I get off the topic of our time machine, um, <laughs> when we were talking about the the instruments and stuff, um, you were saying about how you actually got to go to Josie Mandolins and pick out the wood that your instrument was going to be made out of. It also reminds me, uh, like Jeff and I had spoke about uh, your father, you, Jeff, and myself all made a trip to Quebec recently to Boucher Guitars um, because your father and myself had each purchased a bluegrass model um, from Robin and up there. Um, I forget most of the names. I remember Raf and uh, a few of them who were, and you, I know you remember a few, so I'll let you tell me who they are as well. But, you know, I got the East Indian model, bluegrass, a goose or bluegrass model, whatever. I think it says goose on the tag. And your dad's was... Uh, bluegrass goose, yeah. Your dad's was Brazilian. And uh, you guys got to order your guitars. So I, Jeff did kind of mention what your guys' guitars were made out of, and but we, we mainly spoke of his. So uh, what exactly did you get yourself, Justin, up there at Boucher Guitars? I, uh, I ended up ordering a mahogany bluegrass goose. And uh, it's no... Anyone who knows me and knows the type of tone and uh, instruments that I prefer. It's mahogany is probably not a real surprise. Uh, I like the old Martin D18s. Uh, once again, a little sweeter, pleasant sounding to me. Uh, not that Brazilian isn't. Brazilian is a great uh, tone wood and so is East Indian. But for me, I find when I'm behind the instrument, I prefer a mahogany guitar. It's just... Something, I guess, that's been instilled in for me a long time. But uh, I ended up ordering a mahogany one. And uh, it's uh, I've done a few things a little different. Uh, basically, aesthetically on the front, other than the pick cards, Jeff's guitar and mine will look pretty similar. Uh, bound neck on it as well. No fret markers other than the B at the 12th fret. And on the back of my neck heel, I got them to cut out a little piece of I guess tortoiseshell picker just fake tortoiseshell and put that right on the heel cap uh, they decided to do that for me which was great I like that idea that I got the idea I've got that idea off of a Dad's D18 David Crossy model and uh, it, it was it was it's just it's just very very uh, you know Subtle, but, you know, a personal touch to it, right? Well, I was going to mention that guitar anyways. I was going to let you tell me a little more about yours, and then I was going to bring up that when you were talking about how you were a mahogany fan for your Tonewood, is that the first time I ever really noticed the difference, for lack of, of, of me playing a D28 or a D18 as far as the wood, was that guitar you're talking about, your father's D18 David Crosby edition. That and thing there thinks it's a, it's a, almost a herringbone twenty eight really. It's it's got the punch and drive. But it's right smooth and 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 that was a good way for you to describe it because it that's what it felt like when I was playing it and I kept wondering why does it feel this way? Why does it sound this way? And uh, ever since then I've been drawn to the D eighteens. Um, yeah. But for a performance guitar I did go with the Indian Rosewood just because I just want to be able to get it my as much volume and and I'm not a not a fan of that. It's uh, I'll probably have a mahogany guitar someday, but it probably would be yep. a D18, an old one. And, yeah, uh, definitely. You know, nothing against the Boucher guitar. I love mine. And uh, yeah, oh, you, know, you should. That's a great. That's an excellent guitar. That's excellent. They're ahead of of the game, in my opinion. Please, I hope no one listening takes any offense to this, but they are definitely ahead of the game 
on the deflection and on the technology of how to get the sound out of the guitar with the maximum amount of tone and how to use that wood properly like the, definitely yeah. they were up there and they could care less if they could pick that instrument they just want to build the best one for you and i and for jeff and for whoever else is buying it those guys are so obsessed with building good instruments i was blown away at that but yes, i definitely. think that's going to speak for itself once some of these guitars start aging and when people start playing them and hearing them i agree i agree with that statement 100 percent uh the the science behind of why they sound the way they sound like You've got thicknesses and different braces and weights and deflection, and it all has to add up together to get the final result that you're seeking after. That's right. And, that's them, right. Gu and them guys there, they have it down to a science, no doubt. And that's it, not saying that Martin or Santa Cruz or Collings or any of them don't build great sure guitars. I've played a ton of guitars in my lifetime. Uh, in fact, well, like, well, we were talking how young I was when I started. I was eight years old. So next year I'll be I'll turn twenty eight. I've been playing music twenty years of my life. Right. And wow. I and I'm not and I'm not quite you know I don't consider myself old or you know most people say you're just only young fella. You That's know, right? right. So to to play music that long, I guess, and be still considered a young person, you know, have that majority of years playing music. I've had to. Uh, you know, very fortunate to pick up a lot of great instruments and a lot of not so great instruments, but <laughs> that goes I've along had, with the territory. And it comes, it comes along with the territory as well. But you know, it's still an experience nonetheless. But uh, there's a lot of great instruments. Uh, I've played some pre-war Martins. I played John. Uh, played John Chapman's. Actually, it's a it's a wartime instrument. It's a forty D eighteen. Wow. I played that one. I played uh, Tony Watts thirty-seven D eighteen. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a guitar. And uh, played. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Like I said, I there's a few that would stick out in my mind, but I don't remember ever playing. How would I describe it? Did like dates in particular. Brazilian model. I've never played a new one per se that was that good to me and for what I was after. Or I I I would very well rival you know, lay an instrument in front of me that was better than that one. That baby. I mean, I, I I haven't played Tony Rice's guitar yet, so I can't say that right. with a hundred percent certainty. But uh, there's no there's no doubt in my mind like that one there is. It's pretty high up on the list, and not just because it's dead. It's just a great guitar. It will do anything you want it to do. It's no question about it. And they're way ahead of the game. And I mean, and not to take anything away from yours. Yours is a great guitar. Oh yeah. It, it, it in fact, like I said to you before, that guitar it sounds just like a cruise, but with a little more punch to it. Yeah. It's more push. It's more push behind it. And, and that will do anything you want. But I'm talking like you're, when you're comparing a new instrument to a pre-war instrument, there's just, it's just scary. It's utter, it's, it's a, it's, a, it's incredible, you know, yep. what they're doing. So I think they're ahead of the game, man. And I and, uh, hope you guys uh, enjoy your trip up to get your guitars. You'll be playing with us in uh, Amherst there um, just yes. before you head up to get those, I would think. And we'll be trying to promote the Boucher model as much as we can. Um, Thank you.
Justin and them, it's a shame. It'd be nice to have the triple Boucher attack, even maybe four if your dad's in. Your dad might not be uh, out on the boat then, so he may make the trip up for that show. It's hard to say. And yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure what what the, the what the timeline is. I know that their quota is going to be you know cut short this year, but uh, so he, it's a good possibility he'll, he'll he should be in for that show. That's so. great. Well, we're, you're hearing it here, folks. So if you're listening to this, I'm trying to set this up. So message justin on facebook and the bluegrass unit on facebook and tell them um you know i think the way the show is going to go folks is we're going to play we'll play set and they'll play set or vice versa we'll probably draw names out of a hat because it doesn't matter who goes first and who goes second not to me right um basically whoever sound checks last goes on first i figure you know that's <laughs> and uh, at the end we're gonna have like a big jam with everybody up on stage we'll probably get eddie up if he's there and whoever we got room for that's got an instrument with them and yes. uh, we'll do a couple and you hopefully everybody can come join us at the lion's den um with the bluegrass unit new vintage folks um i got some questions here about you about the the band um you guys have uh, jeff was telling us about some of the gigs that you had before and it was uh i believe it was stewiak yes and one other rogersville i believe rogersville. Was all you had had at that time as far as festivals or anything going on do you guys have anything any gigs coming up or any uh anything else going on I think well we're we're, we're going to be playing uh to start off the festival season i guess so to speak uh fox mountain we'll be playing there uh, you had mentioned Rogersville and Stewiak as well. Uh, we also picked up uh, the indoor festival in November over in PEI over in Summerside, so we picked that one up too. And uh, that's I played I played there before when it was the Lori Blue Memorial Festival. Mm-hmm. It's in the same building, just a different name, and uh, it's a, it's a great time over there. You guys played there last year as well, I guess. Right? Yeah, I played there. It was great. It's, it's a great, it's a great time, isn't it? It's a, a yeah, really receptive crowd. And it actually changed buildings. It was like when we played there. Um, my previous, well, I played in a few bands in bluegrass, but I think it was the Mountain Rush band I played in at the time. I played there first, and it yes. was in one place, and it was the Lori Blue. And this year when we went, it was down the street a bit farther in a little different hotel than what I'd played in before. Right. But it was an awesome time, man, and it yep. was uh, they treated us great. Um, summer, uh, I believe it was called the Summerside Indoor Summerside Bluegrass and Old Time Music Festival or something yes. like that. Yeah, yeah. I see something you guys might be featured on CBC or something like that here soon. Yes, yes, yes we are. Uh, this Sunday coming, uh, April third, uh, we're going to be featured on uh, Land and Sea on CBC. Nice. And uh, anyways, uh, it's interesting enough. Uh, we'll, we'll get into this here right now. Uh, how that all came about was from Tony Quinn of Boucher Guitars. Nice. Uh, he put a plug into a friend of his that works for CBC, uh, Bill McGilvery. And Bill got in contact with me in January, I guess it was, uh, about possibly doing a segment for Land and Sea. And uh, what the theme of this particular show is, or at the time, uh, it was explained to me. And I think the show was still going so forth that way is uh, what mainland Nova Scotianers do in the winter to pass time and, you know, in, enjoy themselves. And uh, Tony had mentioned that we had posted some videos of sitting in my garage in front of the wood stove and picking a couple tunes, and uh, he thought maybe it might have been a good idea to have the band featured 
is doing that, just that. So that, that's what we done. We ended up doing that. Uh, they came down late January, and uh, they were there most of the afternoon into the evening. And uh, it was it's kind of it's kind of funny. Uh, you uh, you spend seven eight hours setting up and and videotaping all this stuff. And from what I understand, only a seven eight minute slot at the most. So, but uh, they asked a lot of questions, and you know who our influences were, that sort of thing. So it's I haven't seen our segment yet, but uh, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be very fun and interesting. So well, I'm trying to I'm going to try to have this out by tomorrow night. At the latest, what's tomorrow? Thursday. So you can tell yes. I've been working, you've been working. So I'm going to try to have it out the latest Friday. So usually everyone, like I said, I'm on iTunes now, folks. So you can subscribe to me, Maritime Bluegrass Podcast. And when you go to iTunes, uh, there's a little thing there. You can rate me five-star ratings and a comment. Really help me out. Um, not anything financially as of yet, but the more it goes, the better it looks for me. And uh, I'd appreciate that. You also check me out on SoundCloud. And also I'm going to do a YouTube video of like I did the last one. And except in this one here, I'm going to include some of the pictures of uh, Boucher guitars that I've gotten. of Justin and I and Jeff's and Eddie's trip there. Um, maybe some pictures of the bands that, that we got coming up in some of these shows. Instead of just being the one picture for 48 minutes, you had to stare at me on the screen. So <laughs> I know some people know may some have people enjoyed, may that, have enjoyed that. that, but I doubt there was many. So I'm going to try to change it up. I prefer, I prefer to listen to your pod, your last podcast on SoundCloud. I wasn't going to look at a picture of you for that long. <laughs> That's right. And it's. Uh, I just had the request to... Uh, <laughs> to do that because there are some people who couldn't figure out the SoundCloud thing and I wasn't on iTunes at that point and so people who were familiar with YouTube could at least search and listen to it this time like I said Justin if I if you guys don't mind I'll take them pictures of your and Jeff's guitar getting built and my mom was getting built and your dad's and, and the ones when we're on the trip and I'll try to make a big nice little video out of that so people can kind of see what we're talking about right now so if you're listening to this not on YouTube or then you can check it out there. There's some pictures of what Justin and I have been talking about and Jeff was talking about in the previous episode as well. So that may not be out on Friday, but we'll definitely be on SoundCloud by Friday. So not that. Excellent. No, that's cool. Yeah. Um, you guys got any plans to record an album or anything like that here soon? As of free, yes. Uh, like we, we definitely plan, definitely want to get into the studio. Uh, both Jeff and I have been in quite a few bands as well. And that's one thing that we haven't had uh, opportunity to do. Uh, we definitely want this band to be in the studio. Hopefully, as of yet, there's no plans, uh, no concrete plans other than that we want to. Uh, hopefully, uh, and when I speak of this, this is very loose, of course. Uh, after festival season, we'll get into the get into the recording studio hopefully and and it very well could be before i don't know like to say it, but That's right. uh, we definitely want to get into the studio put some put some tracks down and uh it, it, we we just feel like uh this time around uh with the bands uh that we played in like i mean it was all stepping stones to get to this point uh hopefully it takes off real well uh, so far I, i'm really surprised at the response it's great uh it's great when you're recognized for something you put your heart and soul into uh oh, and uh like i say uh, this time here we definitely 
going to put more effort into getting into the studio well, sooner than later. You guys definitely got the talent, Justin, and there's no doubt in my mind um, there's probably some bands and configurations that you have been in that you should have been recorded. And maybe it wouldn't have been an album you released, but just to have that kind of timeline where you could, where you would be able to do that. But don't waste any more time, like you said. You guys are ready, and, and you're going to get this group in. We just got into the studio. We're doing a five-song little EP there. We're going to try to have out by our show in April. And oh, wicked. Yeah, we're going to try. It's going to be 100 copies, yeah. and we're kind of making this to try to fund a, a full-length album. We're doing it yeah. at uh, Groove Factory in Amherst. The guy who's doing oh, sound at our show is the engineer there at the studio. Um, they don't do a lot of bluegrass, um, but like they like bluegrass. This guy I've known my whole life, and uh, he's willing to take my input and some other people's input. And he's a really good engineer, so he had no problem getting tones and, and like he knows what he's doing. Um, and that, that's the thing. That's the thing. When like I mean, once again, I keep bringing this up and <laughs> get talking about tones and stuff, science behind it. You have somebody that's dedicated to what sounds they're after. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter what type of music you're interested in. If you have good, plain and simple, my my opinion of music, good music is good music. And if you have somebody that knows how to bring that good music on a digital format or you know any type of format that you can present to a customer or or you know fan. Uh, anybody any fan that wants to listen to it. Uh, you know, it's a science behind it all. And like you say, you don't have to be dedicated to bluegrass, but they're good at what they're doing, right? They're bringing sound out. So. Well, and this guy, this guy in particular, Chris Thomas is his name, folks. I'll call him out. Chris is a great engineer, and he's done lots of different types of music with acoustic and electric and, like, just anything. He's just a good engineer. So when we went in, he goes, well, what do you guys, like, want to sound like? Like, I don't listen to bluegrass, like, but I can get... You know, I can get that, and then you kind of sh give me some stuff. So I give him, I said, listen to this, Rounder 0044. I said, <laughs> now obviously we can't re recreate that sound, but he was just blown away with how that sounded. Not bluegrass, but just like acoustic. Just the actual, He's yes. like, man, that's something else. He was just astounded. And, he, and then so we, I won't say astounded, but like, you know, he hadn't, he was surprised with what it sounded like. And yep. then uh, I played him some Blue Highway and some James King and, and some stuff like a Nitty Gritty Dirt Band that was off the floor and kind of to give him an idea on what we were looking for as far as sounds and tones. And I think what he came out with was was awesome, you know. And, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it, Doug, myself. Yeah, that's, well, that's... and, uh, you know, and like I said, we'll get you guys a card and you'll get to talk to him. It may be something you guys are interested in. Like I said, it's a little ways away for you guys, but uh, if you made a weekend out of it or something, you never know. But... Uh, Wherever you guys do end up recording, uh, I'm, I can't wait for album release from the Bluegrass Unit. I will definitely, uh, I'll be first in line to get a copy of that whenever that comes out, <laughs> let me tell you. Well, I, I pre appreciate that a whole lot, Doug. I'm sure, like I say, I, when I say I appreciate that, I can quite 100% sure speak for the rest of the band as well. Because uh, we feel it's, it was a long time coming to put together something like this and uh we're, we're working hard. To, we're we're, we're going to try to maintain a, a very professional sounding and, and looking unit as well. So I can remember when I kind of first got into bluegrass, me and I and I had finally met you and your brother, and remembering all the different people that I would meet, and we would all froth over at the mouth like, "I want to start my own band, and I got to get those two guys," you know. <laughs> and 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 I would hear stories from from me 
from other people who I won't mention because I don't want them to feel like I'm calling them out or saying anything. But there was a lot of people who were like, man, if I just had me and this guy and those two Nosses, this would be great. Or me and that guy and those two Nosses, that would be great. And you guys were always, say, I'm not on board for that, but you were quite happy being going in somebody else's band and doing your thing and helping improve the band itself. And now you guys have matured enough you just said you know what now it's time for us to do our thing and it's and it's our group and uh what i've heard of it man i really really like i've always been a fan of you and jeff's playing anyways you've always put so much into it that it's uh it's not hard to tell with like the emotion and and the uh the stuff you guys get out of instruments sometimes i just shake my head and and it's true um so i can't like i said you guys uh i think you got the right combination going and uh, I think there's a bright future for the Bluegrass Unit, at least in Atlantic Canada. There's tens and tens of dollars to be made for the Bluegrass <laughs> Unit, you know? Yeah, yeah. no, that's true. Uh, like I say, uh, it, it's it's not really, like, like I say, a lot, and a lot of people refer to it as Jeff and, and uh, my band as well. It's, it's not. We look at it as the whole band like it's just as much Waylon's band as it is Kenny's band as it is Jeff's band as it is my band because we all have equal say uh, you know on material choice and arrangements and basically how, how I would describe it it's uh, it's a thrill for me uh, to play in a group where everybody is that dedicated that you don't have to worry about what they're doing at practice you, you barely even know each other's there. We're just there. We're doing exactly what we set out to do. You know, it's know your role and 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 just do that, right? Like it's it's, it's it's an entirely different feeling. It's it's uh it's gonna be. Uh, I'm not saying that you know. That hopefully, there's no sign of a, a fold up in in any near future. Hopefully, we can maintain this for many years to come. I hope so too. It would be a hard. Uh, it'd be hard at this point for me to to think that there is something better like it's a, it's a it's a thrill it's really truly a thrill to play with each each and every one of them guys uh, like i say i'm not not uh, saying this just because jeff's my brother but uh he is one of my favorite guitar players uh not uh he's a very very professional proficient guitarist uh, not just a guitar player that boy is a guitarist <laughs> He's all business and, and very humble about it, you know. That's an understatement. He sure is. Yeah. He sure is. Well, Justin, I'm not going to keep you too, too much longer. Um, do you got anywheres or anything you want to plug? How do people get a hold of your band if they want to book you? Where can they find you on the internet? Well, uh, I, I'm primarily lo the one looking after the bookings, so uh, contact me through Facebook in uh you can send me a private message or, or however you choose to get a hold of me through there. Uh, I also have a band email set up. It's called the bluegrass unit at hotmail.com. Excellent. And drop me an email. Uh, that's a good way there. And, uh, like I say, any one of them outlets is the, probably the best way to reach me. And then I get back to you on it. And, uh, we have a Facebook page as well. Great. So let me, you know, by no means, do you feel that yeah, if you don't want to go through the email or send a private message, you can drop a line on there as well. So there's a couple ways to do that. Uh, hopefully, we're hoping by the time summer rolls around. Uh, like I say, this this is we're still in the evolution. You know, we're just coming around there. 
hopefully get a website geared up as well so yeah i'm trying to figure that out myself for our group so it's uh we're kind of new as well and so hopefully maybe i can pick your brain for advice on that Um, well uh one one thing about my brain you don't have to worry about it's not a whole lot there to pick well (laughs) our conversation will be short then by the sounds of things (laughs) i'm like this one we could talk about bluegrass all night and all day but when it comes to anything that's has to do with that other stuff no sir awesome justin well you know what i'm gonna wrap you up there and um, i could go on all night and put two episodes on uh with you no (laughs) doubt but i'll probably have you on again here after the once I have the festival season wrap up, I'm going to try to con- do this a little more frequently than the last couple have been, and or last one has been. And uh, hopefully once the festival season comes up and they release the nominees for the awards, I'm going to try to have a podcast where I speak to a few of the awards nominees, and I have no doubt that I'll be speaking to some members of your band. So thanks again, Justin, for being on, and uh, we'll catch you on down the line. Thank you for having me on your podcast, Doug. I enjoyed it. Well, folks, that was my interview with Justin Noss. We did talk about quite a bit more than you actually heard there, but due to time restraints, uh, we had to trim some of it out. So maybe in a later episode, I'll piece together some spots of interviews that don't actually make it on the final podcast cut, and uh, maybe we'll have some fun with that in a later episode. Folks, if you or someone you know, as I said earlier in the open, want to be a guest on my podcast, I would uh, appreciate you getting a hold of me at the Maritime Bluegrass Podcast at Hotmail.com. On Facebook, you can search the Maritime Bluegrass Podcast or Doug Proctor. Just drop me a message and we'll chat. Uh, All you need is a Skype name and be able to log on to Skype and we can do the interview right there. And also if you have uh, any band announcements, any uh, upcoming dates, anything like that that relates to bluegrass and old-time music, I'd be more than happy to put it on the next uh, episode here. If anyone is interested in being a sponsor, like the Down East so graciously Uh, sponsoring this episode please get a hold of me like i said this podcast is free to download um, and i'm always trying to make it a better audio experience for the listener so any donations or any advice or any anything that uh, you think might be able to help me out i'm more than willing to accept before i uh, bid you all to do just like to let you know when my band new vintage is going to be playing we play april the 2nd 7.30 p.m. at the Capitol Theater in Oxford, Nova Scotia. It is a $10 admission at the door. Um, We play the following Sunday, April 10th, at the Truro Rec Center uh, with Eastwind. That's another RV show held by the Down East Bluegrass and Old Time Music Society. And we'll be playing in Amherst with the Bluegrass Unit on April the 23rd. Um, Admission will be $10. Show starts at 7.00. At all three of these shows, folks, I will have uh, Shadow River's debut album. I used to be the mandolin player in that group for when that album was recorded. And um, I have a bunch of copies left. We're going to be selling them at these shows and uh, going to be donating all money that we make from the sale of those albums to the Chapman family, Corey, Amy, and Hazen Chapman from Amherst, Nova Scotia. Corey recently passed away to liver cancer. Um... He was only 35 years old uh, and leave behind his wife and small child, Hazen, who's only five or six years old, I believe. And uh, with no life insurance, uh, Corey found out he had cancer and passed away only two weeks later. So uh, he didn't have any life insurance, folks. And so we're trying to help uh, Amy and Hazen raise some money 
Um, so if you're interested in donating to that cause, you can get a hold of me or you can just come to a show and buy one of these CDs. Um, it's all we can do to try and help these folks as much as we can. So uh, all proceeds from the Shadow River uh, debut album sales that I can get between now and the show on April 23rd, I will be donating to the Chapman family on April the 29th at their benefit at the Elm Tree Tavern in Amherst, Nova Scotia. That's a Friday evening, and it starts, I believe, at 2 in the afternoon and goes till close. There will be lots of local bands from the Amherst area and uh, playing all different types of genres of music. So, folks, this is Doug Proctor, guitar player from the New Vintage Bluegrass Band and your host here at the Maritime Bluegrass Podcast, signing off. And keep watching my Facebook page for an update on when you can expect to see the third episode drop on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Well, good morning, Captain. Oh, Captain. Please, won't you lay your head on my shoulder? Man, you know that we get a little older every day. One night we're in love the next sun.